Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I don't know what God did in your 2015, but I know and I've learned over uh, the years that whatever happened, uh, be thankful because you're here and, and, and you're okay. And, uh, and we're praying good things over your life for 2016. I think 2016 is going to be uh, an amazing year. Uh, you know, we, in case uh, you're new or you've been living in a cave, we've themed the year Dream Again. And uh, we really believe that God is calling His church to dream again. And it's crazy because uh, I got that straight from God. And the thing is, is that I have seen around the world that there are a number of different churches who are saying the exact same thing. And, uh, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to put it out there as an endorsement that I actually hear from God, um, which I think is, you know, I mean, if you're going to go to church, you would hope that your pastor can hear from God. And so, you know, I do. Um, so, so, so there's that. But I, look, I think this year, this year, 2016, is going to be a great year. I'm believing for good things for you and for your family. And I, I was praying this morning, and I always ask God if he has anything to say. And I think that um, particularly, I feel like this year is going to be a, a, a year for transformation of people's families. And, and I'm really believing for that, for transformation of people's families. I think family is so important. And uh, it's good to have good relationships and, and so forth. And so, look, I, I'm praying that this year will be a year of transformation for families, people that have been estranged in your life that you wish were not and were closer to you. I'm praying that uh, by the end of this year that you're going to have the relationships that you want around you. And I, I'm just going to commit that to God. And I'm going to ask you to, to, to pray with me throughout the course of this year for that. And particularly over, um, you know, when we're fasting in that as well, I'd encourage you, let's pray for that, you know, and, uh, and see family come together and I just think it's what God wants for people and uh, and so anyway all of that is going to be really good as well I don't know who actually made New Year's resolutions did anybody make New Year's resolutions yeah there's only uh, there's a couple people I actually thought it'd be more uh, to make New Year's resolutions what about if if what if I didn't call it a New Year's resolution and I just called it like a stop start don't do list I'm going to stop that. I'm going to start this. I'm not doing that anymore. I will do that. So you have a stop, start, don't do list. If you didn't know, congratulations. It's a New Year's resolution list. You didn't even know you had one. You're discovering it right now. But I, I think that the start of every year is, is a great opportunity to in some way, and I don't know what it is about the ticking over of a date, it feels like the slate is wiped clean, you know. It feels like there's a fresh start, like this is a fresh season, like good things are going to happen. I don't know what happened last season, and, and, and that's happened, that's been and gone. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And now we have this new season that's upon us. And I think that, you know, what we should do is we should just get prepared in our hearts for that, for whatever God uh, wants to do. I kind of want to speak to you about <laughs> pursuing your uh, stop, start, don't do lists this morning. All right, so I'm going to read to you this morning. It comes from Romans chapter 7, and this is the Apostle Paul, and this is what he says. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known 
what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin seizing, it's seizing, it's like it's attacking you, you know. It's seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. Now, how many of you understand this, right? Just lean into this next part. For I do not understand my own actions. I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So listen to this. I find it to be a law. It's interesting. That when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you it's a new year. I thank you, God, that there are new opportunities uh, for, for our, our church, for people, for individuals, for families. Lord, I pray your grace to be upon every single person that's in this room. Lord, I pray that there would be in this room, in this group of people and the people that are away on holidays, I, I pray, God, for everyone, that there would be a great awakening in our hearts and in our spirits, that there would be a revival, a revival of your spirit at work in our life. I pray that we're aware of it when it happens. I pray that our ears are open, our eyes are open, that we see spiritually and we hear spiritually. I pray that you take us where we haven't been, but where we want to go. I pray good things to come. I pray your kingdom come. I pray it be established in the hearts and minds of your people. And God, as we set out on this awesome year, 2016, I pray, Lord, that you be with us every step of the way. For I know that you made us a promise that you'd never never leave us and that you'd never forsake us. And so, Lord, we stand on your promises, believing that they are yes and amen, and that this year is going to be an incredible year. And we ask for all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So one of the things that I resolved to do this year 
was to teach my son how to ride a bike without training wheels. Now, I don't, he's six, so I don't know what age kids should ride. And I can't remember. I can ride a bike, but I don't remember when I started doing that without training wheels. All right? But uh, I resolved that one of the things I've just got to teach him is how to ride a bike without training wheels, you know. And we do lots of different activities, lots of things. But I, I kind of feel like kids should be able to ride bikes, you know, like that's one of the things that they should do. And so I resolved that I wanted to do that. So uh, last week I got Judah and, uh, and Isaac, they're my kids, and I went down to uh, the, the, the local school and we decided to go for uh, a bike ride on the, on the basketball courts because they're kind of soft and foamy and I thought this is going to go really well. It was a crazy hot day and as you can imagine, um, you know, kids, they don't like to learn new things, especially when they keep falling off. So, so I, I'm, I'm like trying to get him involved in this. He is not interested, like not interested in this at all. And he keeps telling me it's hard and I said, you're not a quitter and and, uh, and, and we kept doing this, and, 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 and I kept encouraging him, and I actually forbid him. I said, you are not allowed to say that this is too hard. I said, don't, I don't want to hear it, you know? So, so like, I'm encouraging him to ride, and uh, to be honest, it's probably about 35 degrees, and I'm not even that into it. So, so anyway, we kind of stop, and we go, and we, and, we, and we get a drink at the drink you know, fountain, and, that, and we're walking back, and I had a basketball with me, and, and, and so I walked up, and I was standing at about half court, and I said to Judah, I said, hey, come on. I said, Judah, what will you give me if I can get the basketball in from here? What are you going to give me? And he's got nothing. So, so I said, well, what are you going to give me? And he stops and he thinks. I can tell he's really thinking about it. And he says, I'm going to give you something out of my treasure chest. Now, he has this tiny little treasure chest. And it's where he puts his most prized possessions and valuables. And he says, I'm going to give you something out of my treasure chest if you get it in. I said, all right. So I wound up, right? And I have this shot from half court. And you know what happened, right? Yeah, I missed terribly. It was it was a terrible shot. Like I I, I mean I to be honest I was kind of happy I hit the backboard and, and I didn't have to go and get the ball, but it hit the backboard and it bounced back and I looked at him and he looked at me and he was like, sorry, dad. I'm like, give me another shot. He said, okay. So I had another shot that were worse than the first one. So, so you know, I, I played. Now, the thing about it is, is that it was not uh, difficult to understand what I needed to do. Like I knew what was required of me in order to get the special thing out of the treasure chest. I had to get the ball through the ring, but just because I knew what I had to do didn't make it any easier. Like it's a really hard shot, you know? So so just because you know what to do doesn't mean that it's easy to do, does it? It's not. How many times, and you think about it in your own life, how many times have you known what you needed to do, but just because you knew it didn't make it any easier? In fact, when you know what you need to do, sometimes you just realise how difficult it is. Knowing doesn't make what you need to do any easier. Have you ever been called unco in your life? Like, and some of you are like, oh, I'm not sure. If you don't know what it means, like, you don't want to be called unco. Maybe you took it as a compliment. Don't. It means, it means that you're uncoordinated. It means that you're unco. It means you kind of look silly. And, and, you know, like, no one wants to be called unco, right? Because you know what uncle, unco people do? They're attempting to do something that they know how to do. They just lack the skill to actually do it. That's what Unco is. You're trying to do something. You actually know what you need to do. You know what you have to do. You're just uncoordinated. You just don't have the skills or the ability to actually do it. 
You know, you, you know what you're supposed to do, but you can't. Maybe, maybe some of you are a little bit older and you're like, it's not me, it's my body. It doesn't, it doesn't do what it used to do. Oh, you should have seen me 20 years ago, though. I could have done this standing on my head. Yeah, you're always saying that because we'll never prove it, you know. But, but you know, I, I wouldn't know because I'm not old. But, you know, maybe to some people. But, but, but it's like your body doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's like you, 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 you know what you're supposed to do. It's just that you can't actually do it. I know this principle so well. I understand the, the rules of golf. You get, I mean, you get the stick and you whack the ball and it goes in the hole, right? Yeah, it's so hard. It's really hard, you know. I understand, uh, understand that when you play the uh, piano or the keyboard, you, you hit the keys, right? And, and, and if you hit them in the right order, it plays music, right? But there's a reason why no one lets me near this thing because I can't play it. I understand the principles. I know essentially how it works, but just because I know what you need to do doesn't mean that I can actually do it. It's so easy in life to know what you need to do. But you know what? So often it's really hard to actually follow it through and do what you're supposed to do. This is what Paul said. He said, the law is good because it tells me what to do. Didn't make it easier for him. The law is good. It tells me what I need to do. When I say the law, I'm talking about the Mosaic law that was given to God's people on Mount Sinai. And so they're like, great, now we know what to do. And we can't do it. See, when you know what to do, sometimes it just proves to you that you can't do it. Have you ever tried to do the right thing only to discover that you can't? Have you ever made a New Year's resolution that you just can't keep? Your stop, start, don't do list, it just works in the reverse order. You know, you know you're not stopping. You keep doing what you were said that you were going to stop and you don't do what you say you're going to do. It's like, you know, you just struggle with actually making it to work. And if that's how you've ever felt, and if you ever know what, what, what God, maybe God's asked of you, He's asking you and saying, hey, this is the right stuff to do. This is the way that you're supposed to live your life. And you have struggled greatly with trying to pursue what you know God has spoken to you about. Well, I've got good news for you because you and Paul have a whole heap in common because Paul had the same issues as you. Did you know that there is a law that wages war? And we read about it earlier. There is a law that wages war. And this is how it works. All right, you ready for it? <laughs> Nothing is actually wrong until you find out it's wrong and then you can't do it. But once you know what it is, you kind of want to do it. And that's how the law that wages war actually works. You, you, you don't know that something's wrong until someone says you can't do it. And then you think that's the one thing I can't do. It's like saying to someone, don't push that button. And what do they want to do? They just, they're thinking, all they're thinking about is pushing that button. If I say to you, all right, don't, you ready? I'm saying don't, so don't do this. All right, don't do this. Okay, you ready? Don't think about what you had for breakfast this morning. Y'all just did it. Because I told you not to do it, but in telling you not to do it, you knew that I said don't do it, and I said the word breakfast. Some of you are still hungry, you know, and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm hungry right now. Or maybe you didn't have breakfast, but you're thinking about it, but I said don't. So I said don't do it, now you're doing it. You're doing the exact thing I said not to do. Don't think about pink elephants. Bam, there they are. 
Do you know I had for breakfast this morning, I had hot cross buns. I cannot believe that some people actually whinge about the fact that they come out just after Christmas. If you do, I will pray for you at the beginning. Because first of all, hot cross buns are amazing, all right? I live, I wait around all year. I saw them yesterday. I said, kids, hot cross buns. They're like, Dad, we're getting them. I said, yes. So we went and bought them. Don't complain about the fact that Coles and Woolies are celebrating Jesus, you know, death, burial and resurrection three months early. We could do it all year round. I would be very happy with that. I'm going to lead a revolt. Join with me. This is 2016. Hot cross buns all year, okay? But the thing is, is that I tell you not to think about it. And it's the thing that you think about. Why? You weren't thinking about it before, but now I said it. And now you're thinking about it. And it's a real problem for you. You see, the thing is, is that the law actually defines sin, but it provokes sin in saying what it is. Because as soon as you find out what it is, you're like, now I'm thinking about it. Why did you even have to say anything about it? Do you know that the 10th commandment is that you shall not covet? That you, that you shall not covet, don't covet anything. Paul says, uh, I didn't even know what coveting was till someone said, don't do it. And I was like, what is it? And he's like, that's when you take, you just want other people's stuff. And he's like, great. Now all I'm thinking about is other people's stuff. You know, he says, don't, and this is the example that Paul uses. He says, I didn't even know what it meant to covet until you said don't covet. Now I'm just coveting all over the place. <laughs> just want everyone's stuff. It's like, you know, better car than mine. I didn't even know what they would covet back in that day. Oh, I love that tunic. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you would covet. But obviously there's coveting that they did because he says it. And he says that sin ceased an opportunity. And I think about it. I don't know what you think in your mind when you think about sin seizing an opportunity, but I kind of think about it like it's crouching around the corner and you have no idea that sin is there. And you walk around the corner and it goes, ah, gotcha. And you're like, what are you doing here? It's like it seized you. You didn't realize it was happening. You weren't aware of it. You weren't prepared for it. But suddenly it just jumps out of the shadows and it grabs you. And this is the language that Paul uses. Come on, Adam and Eve. You got, you, guys, you had one job. One job, like don't eat the fruit from the tree. You know what? I tell you, they knew where that tree was because it was the one that you could have asked them, where's that, where's that, where's that apple tree uh, that's not uh, in the middle of the garden? They don't know where stuff is. They have no idea where anything is, right? But the tree that they couldn't eat, they knew where that one was. That's why they're hanging around it. You know, the serpent's right next to it. What were they doing circling it anyway? You know, why were they, why would they around it? I'll tell you why, because they weren't allowed to be near it. This is, I mean, gosh, if you got kids, come on. Like, I mean, if you got kids, it's like, don't go over there. They're like, I want to go there. I'm like, adults are no smarter. Don't do that. Oh my gosh, but that's what I was thinking about that I wanted to do. It's like, you know, as soon as you know you can't do it, it's like the very thing that you want to be able to do. Paul said, Paul, the apostle, great man of God, holy, holy, he, he, he says, I'm not any better. He says, I can't even do it. You know, he hated it. And the truth is, you know exactly what that feels like. And you hate it too. Don't you hate it when there's something that you know you're not supposed to do, but you're really struggling to let go of it? Don't you hate it when there's something that has seized you and you don't want it to have you. And yet, no matter how much you fight it, no matter how much you resist it, and you push against it and you say, no. You say, 
this thing got me last year, but this year, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let it have me this year. I'm sick of dealing with the same issues in my life over and over. I feel like I, feel like I have tried for so long to get rid of this stuff, but it has seized me. And the more I try to not do it, the more I'm thinking about it. In fact, in trying to tell myself not to do it, I start the process of thinking about it. Then it's all I can think about. And now I've got a problem because it's the thing that I want to do. And if you've ever struggled with that, you hate it. And Paul, the apostle, man, holy man of God, he's exactly the same way. And I'm telling you, this is so powerful. Man, this is, this is immensely powerful what I'm talking about to do today. Because the law, oh my gosh, how did we get there? Let's go back. Because the law that wages war, the law that wages war, it has the power to push you away from the presence of God. And that's what makes it so powerful. It has the, the, the power to push you away. Do you know what we call it? We just call it guilt. Because you hate when you can't do that thing. And you feel bad about the fact that you're still doing it. Even though it was on your stop, start, don't do list. And you said, I'm going to stop doing it. And then you rolled into 2015, click of a calendar, changes over the clocks. But the desires that were in your heart last year did not miraculously evaporate the moment the clock ticked over. In fact, shocking to you, totally unprepared for this, right, are you, is that the same things that were in your heart last year just kind of rolled on into this one. And you said that this year was going to be your year. You said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not speaking like that anymore. I'm not sharing that anymore. I'm not going to believe those lies anymore. I'm not going to do that. And yet you did. And it's guilt and it's powerful. And I want to tell you something from the beginning. And it kind of sounds a little depressing, but there's a good ending, all right? So here's the thing. You're not always going to be able to do what you know is right. You're not always going to be able to do what you know is right. If you could, you'd be perfect. But as it is, you are not. As it is, there are things that you'd wish that you didn't do that you're still doing. And you don't want to do them anymore. And the reason I tell you that is because you've got to expect that it's going to happen. I don't want you to be shocked by this because I want you to start to think about it. Because if it does happen and you're filled with guilt because you didn't do what you were supposed to do on your stop list. I don't want that to control you. And guilt is one of the most controlling emotions that you'll ever face and is absolutely something that will keep you from the presence of God. So let me ask you, what's on your stop list? What's on your start list? What's on your, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is not going to control me anymore. I've had enough of this. I don't want to do this anymore. What's on your, I'm not going to do this list. What's on your, I'm going to do list. And it's two days in and you haven't done it yet, but you're serious this time, you know? What's on your list? When did you promise yourself a fresh start? What do you do if you can't help but keep doing the thing you promised yourself you wouldn't do? Because one of the things that you'll discover about life and sin and how it seizes you and how it controls you is that just because you make the decision to give it up doesn't necessarily mean it just goes away. Sometimes it sticks with you and Paul hated it and you hate it. See, knowing what to do can be a huge problem because as soon as you know what you should do, you automatically know what you shouldn't do. But now you're thinking about it. And the one thing that you shouldn't do is what maybe sometimes the things that you're thinking about actually doing. Paul said the law was meant to be the thing that would give life. 
Do you know why it would give life? Because God said, don't do any of these things. Don't do any of these and you'll live. And they said, great. But the moment he defined what they could do and what they couldn't do was the moment they realized they didn't have the ability to do it. And try as they may, they would try it. For centuries they tried, continuing to pursue things, but realizing that they were ill-equipped to do it. He said, no, 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 this law, it didn't bring life. Actually, as soon as I discovered the law, immediately it brought death. The penalty for sin is death. As soon as he found out what he couldn't do and he realized that he couldn't help but do it, suddenly he realized, I'm not going to get out of this. I can't stop doing this. I'm going to keep doing this. I've got no control over this. This thing has seized me. This thing has got me. I'm in big trouble. That's exactly what Paul says. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. Do you ever do stuff and you're like, why did I do that? I didn't mean to do that. I didn't want to say that. I have no brain mouth filter. I didn't mean for that to come out. You know, I, I didn't mean to say that. I mean, mean to think that. I didn't want to do that. But the thing is, Paul says, for I do not do what I want, because he wants to write stuff. He knows what's right. But the very thing that I do, I hate. Man, Christians struggle with this. Can I just put you all at rest? Everyone struggles with this. Just because you're a Christian, suddenly you know what you should do. You know what you shouldn't do. Who found it easy? None of you. No one finds it easy. Christians all over the world struggle with what I'm talking about right now. You know why? Because everyone struggles their whole lives with sin. Listen to this. Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're actually opposed to one another. In other words, you want to do stuff that you shouldn't want to do. And you know what you should do, but it's not the stuff that you want to do. For these are opposed to each other you, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. How about this? 1 John 1, 8 to 9. If we say we have no sin, for all you perfect people out there, if we say we have no sin, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The truth is everyone struggles with sin. No one's perfect. No one's got this stuff right. The things that you want to do, you have trouble doing. The things that you don't want to do, you find yourself relapsing. It's a real problem. Paul says, so (laughs) I can't believe he says this. He says, So it's no longer I that does it, but it's sin in me. I say, are you serious? Is that legit? So Paul, it's not your fault, right? And you, it's not your fault either. No, 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 no. No, it's sin in you. It's not your fault. It's sin. It's the sin's fault. Did you do this? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Let me tell you something. If I ever said to my son, why'd you break that thing? And he goes, it was the sin in me, Dad. I say, I don't believe you. (laughs) You did it. Get in your room. This is what God says. It wasn't me, God. It was the sin in me. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying I'm going to abdicate my responsibility for my own life. He's saying there is a power in sin. There is a power in sin that is almost like it makes you do what you don't want to do. And sometimes, and this is the worst thing ever, is when you feel like you're utterly powerless to do anything about it. I mean, honestly, really, is there anything that you know, like in your life, you said, I'm not going to do this anymore. 
And he kept doing it. It's maybe a pattern of thinking. It's like, I'm not going to think this way anymore. I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do any of this anymore. And try as you may, it's still so difficult. You know what to do. It didn't make it any easier. Do you know what it feels like, and you probably do, to keep trying, but just keep failing over and over and over? And how long do you try before you just decide, man, that's it, I'm giving up. I've been trying to quit this for years. I've been trying to give this up for years and try as I may, this secret addiction, this problem of mine, this thing that no one knows about, whatever it is, the thing I keep saying I'm going to stop doing, it never seems to go away. What do you do with that? Because it's kind of sad, really. I mean, it looks like it has this great power and authority over your life. I mean, forget God's standards. You can't even live up to your own. You set yourself some goals that you can't even achieve and they might not even be godly. You're just like, I just, I think it's time that I start doing this. You can't even live up to your own standards. That kind of thinking, man, that kind of thinking is outrageously dangerous to go down that path to almost feel like you want to give up. It's a massive mistake. And you know why it's a massive mistake to do that? Because first of all, you, you, you may not understand something about the power of grace that's over your life. But the second thing is, is that that kind of thinking keeps you in a place of guilt and it keeps you from the presence of God, which is, by the way, the very thing that you need to unlock that power that sin has over your life. And it will keep you caged and bound as long as you feel guilt about not being able to do what you know you should do. Man, this is so important. This is so powerful. It's such a powerful truth. Did you know that there is a biblical response to the issue of avoiding God when you No, you're not doing what you should. Come on, come on. Let's be real this morning. Let's let's be real for a minute. When you do what you know you shouldn't do, how many of you feel like running into the arms of Jesus? Come on. You know, when you do what you're not supposed to do, the last thing you want to do is see Jesus because you've got to fess up. You already know he knows and you feel bad about it. How do you avoid feeling bad? Easy, avoid God. That's not the right response. Let me, what? You don't want to feel bad about it, right? You don't have to. Listen to this. There is a biblical response to this. Because since then, this is what Hebrews 4 says. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet he never sinned. All right, you ready for this? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you know that the time when you need grace is when you messed up? The time that you need what this is talking about is when you feel guilt. The time that you need grace is when you say, I I don't want to be anywhere around God because I feel bad about what I've done. You need to be so close to him at that point. And it feels like the opposite. It feels like you don't want to be anywhere near him. That's the exact place it's meant to be. I'm telling you, this is the thing. Look, if, If it was works that brought you close to God, then it would work that way. And this is the crazy part. You know, if you ask, 
non-Christian. If you're here today, you're not a Christian. If we sit down and I say, how do you get close to God? Almost universally, the world over, this is what they say. I do good things. And God is so impressed by my good things that he wants to come close to me. But it is not true. You're actually saved by grace. Even when you mess up. Now, here's the really weird part. When you became a Christian, if you're here today and you're a Christian, if you, when you became a Christian, you realized that. Someone explained it to you. They sat down and said, no, 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 no. God's going to forgive you for all the things that you've done. You don't have to feel bad about it. But somewhere you developed the idea that to maintain the closeness of your relationship with God, you had to keep doing good things. And you actually developed a works-based mentality after you became a Christian. And you thought the only way to get close to him was to keep doing good things. So when you're doing the things that you do not want to do, things that you wish that you didn't do, you kind of hang back from God until you can get yourself right. And when you start to do things right, maybe just a few days in a row, you say, now I feel like it's okay for me to come to God. You've got to unlearn some stuff. If, you're, if you really think that, you've got to unlearn some stuff that you just, I don't even know where you picked it up. I, I, don't, I don't know where you got that, but I'm telling you right now, when you feel like that, the most important thing that you can do is draw near to God. And what should you expect to find if you draw near to Him? Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy in your time of need. I mean, to be honest, we're always in need, right? But the truth is, is that you are most in need when you feel the most guilt. You are most in need when you feel the most shame. You are most in need when you feel furthest from Him. You are most in need when you've done the wrong thing and you don't want to be anywhere around Him and you feel terrible. That's the time. You need to be so close to Him. And you can expect that when you do, what will He do? Will He gaze disapprovingly at you? I mean, honestly, if God was always angry every time we messed up, He must be like furious all the time, like all the time. Like just mad, angry all the time. But I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I don't think God's like that at all. I think God's actually full of love. I think God's full of grace. And I think he's happy. And I think he smiles when he looks on us. And and that's how you've got to begin to think about him. He's not like that all the time. Come on. Always angry because you didn't do right. He came to you when you were wrong. And he made it right for you because you couldn't do it by yourself. You know what you should do. You know. You know what you should be doing right now. You know what you should do. 2016, what did you say you'd do this year? I'm going to start reading the Bible more. This is my year. I'm going to actually get serious about this. I didn't do it last year. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going I'm to pray more this year. I'm going to pray more this year. I'm going to read the Bible more. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get really serious about this stuff. I'm going to make that doctor's appointment. I'm going to visit my grandma. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do those things I said that I would do. I'm going to do it. What's on your don't do list? What did you say you were going to stop? Where are the things in your life that you said, I just, (laughs) I can't do this anymore because it's killing me and I hate it. And I'm sick of walking around and carrying this, this heaviness. Because I walk into a room, I smile at everyone. But the truth is, I know that in my heart, I'm carrying stuff that I just need to offload. I wonder what you need to offload today. I wonder what you're carrying because you realize that you're actually powerless to do your stop, start, don't do list. Paul knew that he should do more. 
He knew he should do more. This is what he said. And if you can imagine him writing this, he's, he's writing this. And I imagine, I don't know what passionate writing looks like, but this would be it. Right? It's like really passionate. I don't know what it looks like, but it, his eyes are wide like this. Right? Sweat is pouring down from his face. All right? It's dripping on the page. He's passionate. All right? That's a weird version of passion. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He, he's writing it, okay? And this is like the climax of this whole chapter. And he writes this. And this is what he says. He says, wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. I'm the Apostle Paul. And I can't do what's right. Try as I may. I can't do it. Wretched man that I am. I'm preaching everywhere. I'm telling everyone that they should do. And me, I can't do it. The thing I don't want to do is the thing I keep doing. And I'm sick of it. And I hate it. And I've had enough of it. And I want it to be finished. And I want it to be over. Wretched man that I am. He's looking at his body and he's saying, Who will deliver me? Gosh, deliverance. Who will deliver me? This is the language He uses. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death, this thing called flesh, this thing that doesn't quit? It always wants to do the wrong thing. Who's going to deliver me from this? And then in one climactic sentence, He says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I, I imagine Paul exasperated. Like he is, He's like, that's it. He's the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the way. He's the only way. What am I going to do about this? I can't do anything, but thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Because even though I can't, I know He can. And even when I can't, He's gracious towards me. He's loving towards me. What would I find if I go to Him when I can't? I find grace and mercy because I'm in a time of need. Like right now, I'm in, a, I'm in a time of need. God, I need you. I want you. I'm tired of this life. Wretched person that I am. I can't quit. I've tried to give up. I said this year would be different. I've got my list. I'm just powerless to do it. I know what I'm supposed to do. It's no easier this year than it is last year. What am I going to do? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be, to, thanks be to God. You know what you need to do? When, you, when, when you're not doing what you know is right, you need to go to Him. So the law that wages war, it doesn't beat you down. When you feel like you don't want to be near Him, that's the time. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to look at yourself, give yourself a good talking to in the mirror. And so you get in there and you start praying because you're going to have to say it to yourself because I tell you what, if you give in to your emotion, you know what you'll do? You'll spend a day apart from Him and it'll be okay. And it's just one day, but then it was two and then it was three and then it was a week. And then you missed church because you felt guilty about it. Oh. And then you felt bad. But if, you know, then after a while, let's face it, the guilt starts to go away. You know why? You just anesthetize yourself some way, anyway, somehow. Just forget about it. Just put it out of your mind. Just block it out. But you can't because you know it's there and it visits you and it keeps speaking to you <laughs> you know when I had that shot I threw that basketball and I missed and Judah said I have another shot dad and I missed again and I looked at him and I said I said oh, I said I, I can't do it <laughs> and Judah he looks at me and he goes yeah you're right dad this is what he said this is true he goes yeah you're right dad but you know what because I can see you put in a lot of effort 
And he says, and I don't think, <laughs> he goes, I don't think you should walk away with nothing. So I'm going to give you something out of my treasure chest anyway. And I'm wearing it right now. It's a loom band. It's a loom bracelet. I got it on right now. And when we got home, uh, I had forgotten about this, but he ran down to his bedroom. He came back, he opened his treasure chest and he said, here, dad, I told you, you deserve something. I'm like, oh man. Oh, he learned all of that from his mom, I promise. But our father is so much more gracious than my son. He knows we're going to try. He knows we're going to miss the goal. He knows we've got goals this year. He knows we've got a stop, start, don't do list. He knows we're going to attempt some things and we're not going to make it, but we're going to give it a red hot go. He knows that. And when you can't do what you said you do and you feel bad about it, you couldn't quit that thing that you said you'd quit. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? What are you going to say? 2016, you've resolved to change your life. But you know, the truth is, is that you may struggle with something. And when you struggle, do you know what? I'm just going to pick it ahead of time. So when it starts to happen, you're like, man, that pastor, man, he's so smart. He said this would happen. This is what will happen. You'll hear the voice of accusation. You don't deserve that. Look at you. You keep messing up. You should just quit this thing. You should just give up. You'll hear the voice in your head that will continue to talk to you and to pull you down and to try to damage you. Go to God. You can't get this right. Look at all the stuff that's wrong in your life. The moment you slip up, sin will seize you and it will say, give up, walk away. Whatever you do, don't spend time with God because He knows that's the one place where transformation happens that actually makes it okay. It's where you find grace and mercy. And let me tell you something, if the enemy's gonna do anything with your life, he'll keep you from grace and mercy. He'll keep you caged up in that little box. He'll keep you feeling guilty. He'll do it. He doesn't want you anywhere near God because He knows what happens when you draw near to Him. Don't be guilted out of a relationship with God. Do you know, let me tell you something right now. The war that rages against your soul, the law that wages war against you, it is powerless under grace. You think it's powerful? Oh man, it's powerless under grace. Powerless under grace. It will not have you. It will not control you. It will not dictate your life. You just need grace to be poured out all over you. So why don't we do this? I want to pray for every person in here. Stand to your feet. There are so many families that, are, you know, they're on holidays right now. Man, my phone, it was buzzing all day yesterday. And even this morning, hey, we're on holidays. We can't be there today. I tell you, what, I'm going to pray for them. They're us. They're our family. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray the grace opens up over your life. And if I can tell you one thing, that will keep you from completing your stop, start, don't do list is if you stay out of the presence of God. It will wreck you. I'm going to pray for grace so that that stuff will be powerless in your life. Is that cool? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person in this room. Why don't you raise your hands as if you're just getting ready for God to pour something out into your life, all right? I pray for every person this morning, hands raised, saying, God, I want grace to be on my life for this year. 
Some things need to be different about this year. Some things last year that I don't want creeping into this year. But God, I realised that the very thing that I want to do is the thing that I can't do. And I understand that. So God, I ask for Your empowering Holy Spirit and the presence of God to begin to pour out over this group of people and all those that couldn't be with us today. The Lord, there would be such an outpouring of grace that the things that people wrestle against, the things that people fight against, everything on the, I'm going to stop and quit this, it would happen under grace. And every voice of accusation and every voice of guilt and every sense and emotion of guilt that would keep people from Your presence, in Jesus' Name, I stricken You powerless over this people. I, I, in Jesus' Name, I pray guilt retreat right now. You're saved by grace. Grace through faith in Christ. Grace got you there. It'll keep carrying you through the rest of your life. And I pray that over every family in Jesus' Name. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.